Hello, this is Stephanie Dumont with Conscious and Carefree, and I am honored to have today as my guest, Olympian and number one world ranking in 400 meter track and field sprinting, British record holder over 400 meters from 1971 to 1985, and founder and creator of Sparkling Protein with patents in 42 countries, including seven in the U.S. So I'm going to welcome David Andrew Jenkins. So happy to speak with you today. Stephanie, it's an honor. Thank you for inviting me to join you on Conscious and Carefree. Yes. And how ironic that we're here talking on the first competition day of the Winter Olympics. Yes, I can hardly wait. I'm going to wrap myself up in front of the television so I can get in the mood. Fantastic. I love that. So, David, when did you know that you wanted to be the best sprinter in the world? Um, well, it's very kind of you to sort of couch it in those terms. Um, when I was 11, one of my schoolmasters called me Olympic legs mm. when I was playing cricket. Uh, wow. I think he was being sarcastic. That sowed the seed, you know. And how did you hone your focus to achieve number one world ranking in the 400 meter in 1975? Uh, desperation. I hadn't really run very well uh, mm. since I was 19. And I think the year before I was ranked fourth in the world or something. Um, fifth in the world when I was 19 and then didn't do very well in rankings. And then I just was like, I've got to do this. So that was that clear to me that I absolutely needed to do it and wanted to do it. So uh, very smart coaching, smart training, and a bit of good luck, you know, stardust blessing. So it was uh, an extraordinary accomplishment. I went on my own to Eugene in Oregon, which is sort of track city, USA. Uh, Mm. Fascinated to go out there because I'd seen on the television so many people running quickly. Uh, was as ever when you in Eugene and there's track and field on the place is packed and it was uh, perfect weather and uh, great race and uh, was able to win so uh, some super runners in that group and that was you know day I was uh, definitely on song as they say beautiful David did your first coach know that you were kind of destined for greatness my first coach was my high school coach who was a very wise man he was an international rugby referee. We grew up in Scotland, so he was from Edinburgh. I grew up in Edinburgh. It was a private school, superb education, superb teachers and masters, as it were. My teachers for until you were like uh, 10 or 11, and then my only men teachers after that, being it was an all-boys school. Very well-educated teaching environment and um, extraordinary insight and experienced men who really accomplished great things in their lives prior to teaching. And as a result, uh, the gentleman who looked after me, Mr. Young, Mr. Jake Young, was really excellent and uh, brought me on very well until he passed me off to the Scottish national coach to put finishing touches to uh, what I was doing at the time. Because at the age of 17, I was the fastest man in Britain. And I don't mean boy. I mean, I was the fastest guy in the country at 400 meters for all men and women too. (laughs) So so I actually got my first, as it were, international vest when I was 17 years and three months. That's a big responsibility for 17 years old. They've got no idea. You don't, I mean, you you have no clue what you're doing. You just sort of like, how do I run? And I put one foot in front of the other. And uh, so was able to, you know, execute very well. Uh, so I was at that time, I would be 
a junior at high school. Good stuff. Um, very long time ago, nearly 50 years ago. So. Inspiring, my goodness. Absolute education because you're with grown new guys mm. from, you know, all the way up to 30 plus and you're in Hamburg and uh, it's not like you got a chaperone. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it's quite, quite eye-opening. Anyway, that was, you know, a long, long time ago. So there we go. Wow. So, David, most Olympians would cite their medals as their greatest achievements and you cite your relationship with your son. So how has that relationship shaped who you are today? Um, first of all, uh, I had a very academic uh, home environment. My parents you know, had master's degrees and advanced degrees. And secondly, my father was in the oil industry at the boom time of the oil industry. So mm. by the time he's 35 or something, he's got three kids in private school. It's quite extraordinary. So it was a very fortunate upbringing. However, it was uh, extremely, uh, no matter how high the bar was set, if you reached it, the bar kept moving, kept moving higher, no matter mm. what. So that puts in all kinds of things start to spin around and doesn't necessarily produce all of the best. It still produces phenomenal excellence. So when my son was born, uh, which was 32 years ago, you know, I wanted him to be in a very well-educating environment and a nurturing environment and supportive environment uh, massively and not critical and certainly not in any way reaching back to Victorian times of how kids were treated in the early 1900s, late 1880s, early 1900s, which carried over a lot into the education system in Britain, mm. which was not, not very pleasant. So uh, as far as my son was concerned, Stephanie, I uh, absolute conscious decision with his mother, who is now a professor at uh, Stan Cal State San Marcos for the International Baccalaureate Program, or at least she wasn't, I think, until recently. So it was to be a very, you know, it was really trying to nurture a, a young life. And I think it was very fortunate that I then had to do some of that on my own um, because uh, his mother and I split up, and which was, you know, a sad, dark time, but on the other hand, it had um, silver linings and dark gifts from it. And the dark gifts were then your time with my son was just him and I. Mm. And fortunately, I lived, you know, 10 blocks away. And so we were able to have a flea flowing open, come back and forth, you know, drop by, do what you want kind of situation. It was not the usual, let's go to family court or <laughs> do all that stuff. Yeah. That didn't happen. Good. And so as a result, my relationship with my son was as if he was a young, a very younger brother or more, you know, more sort of uh, filial than paternal, although mm. it was still the paternal component. And that, as a result, was just very fortunate and planned to provide him with all of the support he needed as and when he needed and give him the freedom to do what he wanted. And uh, I can say that, you know, I was pleased that I could do that and knew I'd check the boxes off that I'd set. And then even more pleased for him to then echo that later in, in the years. And we had nothing in common in sport, although we did stuff together. Our commonality was actually music and uh, particularly the blues. And that's where we really started to bond and uh, you know, do stuff together. I love that. So that was just an extraordinarily warm time, great time, and still is. And additionally, oh, it's just that he opened my eyes to stuff, and I think I opened his eyes to stuff. I mean, educationally, it was all about music and 
you know, who was doing what, where and when, and who we go and see and how we go and see them. And uh, there's a lot of that. So as a result of the relationship, I can say that's the thing I'm most proud of because, um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a two way street. So it's very good. I love that. And, uh, you know, uh, everything that we do in life revolves around relationships. And, um, you know, I love to hear you focusing on that because that's part of what being conscious and carefree is about. And, you know, that was my next question for you is, you know, I wanted to see what's important to you about living a life that's conscious and carefree. Well, I don't know who said it, but some smart journalist for the New York Times or better yet, the East Illinois Gazette said, um, a life unexamined is not worth living. And so in terms of conscious and carefree, uh, living as consciously as possible is very important. And everyone's got blind spots. Yes. And uh, I was very fortunate to get into such pain that <clears throat> I uh, went into psychotherapy nearly 30 years ago and never have ended that journey, never would on that journey, but really eased out of it a little bit about 12 months ago because of some of workload. But nevertheless, had all the tools from individual and group therapy, etc. And I would say that that puts a level of consciousness, awareness, uh, mirroring, insight, um, recognition of what your body and mind need, being in tune with that, being conscious of that, is mm. pivotal to to health, let alone anything else, let alone sanity, is pivotal to health. And another journalist, I think probably in the days of Julius Caesar, when he was writing in the East Illinois Gazette, said um, that, you know, a healthy mind can only reside in a healthy body. So there's the two parts yeah. of that in terms of the consciousness. So trying to make light of a very serious subject, but that's critical stuff. And um, that, therefore, I'm still working on the carefree. Um, mm. But um, what we can today, because we're in California, you know, so what can I say? That's right. You know, so we're, we can be quite carefree quite easily and for low cost and without even having to take it. So the point is on it is, um, you know, carefree is something I'm, it's not, I'm not sort of wired that way. Um, I have a buddy of mine who is, and I think it's extraordinary, and I'm in awe of him. Uh, he's an Englishman also called Jenkins and lives up in Corona del Mar. And um, I think his life is pretty carefree. So I'm not that guy so so much for that you know it's just the way it is i like that and, and you know you have to have things to aspire to yeah well uh correct i mean i'm aspire just to be able to put my socks on there you go <laughs> sometimes that's a challenge inspired and aspired i like it that's wonderful so david can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on these days what are you up to now um I built and sold a couple of businesses, as you know, in the protein powder and protein bar business. And yes. everything that I did in that area was being quickly copied. So I went into an area that was a very novel, unheard of, and had no intellectual property protection whatsoever, which was sparkling protein drinks. And I started that up about 15 years ago, I suppose, and then had patents, filed for patents about 13 years ago. And I have seven years patents, as you said, and got patents in 41 other countries. And that is what I'm working on and investing in and developing and 
lots of people are drinking LaCroix or variations of that, mm. you know, sort of nice, nice, clear, sparkling water. Well, we can build a protein drink that uh, looks like a LaCroix, um, as, mm. as clear as a LaCroix, and has a little bit more mouthfeel and a little bit more taste, but nevertheless is very light and refreshing. And we are, you know, 14 days away from the realization of, you know, here you go, everybody, here's the stuff. I mean, we've been in getting there. It's the old journey of dead ends, wrong turns, you know, missed decisions, lots of little things adding up to big things. But here we are, you know, about to um, give birth to something that, well, as Coca-Cola said to me, we never imagined we'd see a protein drink like this in our lives. Wow. So that's where we're at and uh, that's where I'm at and my team's at and um, it's uh, it's called Physique, F-I-Z-Z-I-Q-U-E, Physique, yeah. sparkling protein and uh, sparkling protein water and it's, you know, clear like LaCroix. So that's what's coming. That's what we got, 20 grams of protein, tied you over between meals uh, so you, you know, you don't want to have, you don't need to snack and all that good stuff. I love it. I love it. So if our listeners want to find out more, uh, there is a website? Yeah, yes, there is actually. We have a website. It's called, uh, obviously, www.drinkphysique.com. Love it. I can't wait to try it. Well, wait a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, and uh, I will uh, make sure I get the first case out the door to you. Wonderful. So, David, I want to thank you so much. You know, these are just some of the traits uh, necessary to achieve excellence in life, some of the traits that you spoke about with us today. I'm inspired by what you're doing now and that this is a continuous journey throughout your life, that you're helping people to to be stronger and healthier and to improve their lives. And, you know, another interview with the greatest mind uh, of our time. So I want to thank you, David, for being with us today. And, um, you know, in two weeks, please check out uh, Physique Sparkling Protein, which hopefully will be at a market near you. And again, thank you for looking forward to living a conscious and carefree life. And thanks again for joining us today, David. Thank you, Stephanie, and uh, much appreciate all that you uh, helped me with many years ago um, in my executive coaching. So thank you very much. It was a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. To join us for more information, go to the letter B, the word carefree.com. Again, for more in this interview, go to the letter B, carefree.com. This is Stephanie Dumont for Conscious and Carefree. Thank you so much.